You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at, once again, The Underwater Menace. However, this time, the animated version. Uh, Just for your edification, we uh, previously reviewed this in April of 2016, back in episode 256 of our podcast, when they had just released the Telesnap-only version. And uh, just for that walk down memory, uh, I'm going to give you the synopsis I gave of the episode from back then. So here we go. The newly added companion of Jamie is taken on his first space adventure, sort of space adventure, TARDIS adventure, with Ben and Polly and the second doctor, who is still very early in his regeneration. And they land somewhere that apparently looks like Cornwall, except that the sedimentary rock that's so obviously in front of them is claimed to be volcanic rock. And so the doctor says they're not there and they find a cave and then they're all captured. And then they find the remnants of Atlantis in the caves. And Professor Zaroff, who's crazy and wants to blow up the planet, and the Doctor does things to stop him, and that's all the summary I'm going to give you. And I think I may have embellished the story just a little, even at that level. Well, the, sum- the summary is still great, but the new animation you did for it is excellent. Yes, yes. I, I, had, I have actually made a proper uh, one this time uh, for it. And so uh, I just wanted to give you my mindset when you're listening to the last one. As to how much I, I gave this story. So um, here we go. Uh, Underwater Menace. Proper synopsis. Part one. With disbelieving new companion Jamie in tow, the TARDIS arrives on a rocky Mediterranean coastline. They are soon captured and taken deep underground to Atlantis. From the clues, they determine they are sometime in the future, post-1968. From the brilliant underwater-based food, the doctor determines that the famous missing scientist Zaroff must be living among them. There is little time left, as they are all to be sacrificed to Ando, god of Atlantis. The sacrifice takes the form of being fed to the sharks. Before they are sacrificed, the doctor manages to get a sympathetic Atlantean, Ara, to take a note to Zaroff. Reading the note, which only says, I have a secret, Zaroff has the doctor released. The doctor bargains with his secret to get the others spared. This works, but the doctor reveals his bluff. There was no secret. Zaroff is actually amused by this and recognizes the doctor as a fellow scientist, and he takes the doctor to his laboratory. Jamie and Ben are sent to the mines, while Polly is sent for conversion to be a fish person and farm the undersea crops. Polly is about to be operated on when the episode ends. Part 2 in Zarov's laboratory, the doctor sabotages the power, accidentally delaying the fish operation on Polly, delaying it long enough for Ara to rescue her. Meanwhile, Zarov explains his plan to the doctor. Zarov has convinced the Atlanteans that he will lift Atlantis back above the waves. To do this, he will drain the oceans into a shaft they've been drilling deep into the Earth's crust. The doctor immediately sees the folly of that. Draining the oceans into the super-hot core of the Earth will simply create a massive steam explosion and destroy the Earth. 
Surely Zaroff must realize that. Yes, but it will lift Atlantis in the process, counters Zaroff. Zaroff further explains uh, that he's doing this as the ultimate act of a scientist because he can. The scientist's dream of supreme power. The doctor instead realizes that Zaroff is just insane and promptly escapes from the madman. In the mine, Ben and Jamie meet two other topsiders, Sean and Jacko. The Atlanteans capture shipwreck survivors and put them to work in the mines. Sean and Jacko want to escape, and they have a plan. With Ben and Jamie's help, they escape into some unused caves and tunnels, searching for a way out. Ara takes Polly to a hidden place in the Temple of Amno. The doctor overhears Ramo, a priest, expressing his doubts about Zaroff and approaches him, explaining that Zaroff plans to destroy the world and requests to be taken for an audience with Thos, leader of Atlantis, to put his case. Ramo agrees. The tunnel that Ben, Jamie, Sean, and Jacko have been exploring leads them into the hidden place in the temple, and they meet Polly. The doctor is taken to Thos and explains that Zaroff is insane. And after Thaus gives the doctor's account due consideration, he turns him over to Zaroff. End of part two. Part three. Zaroff orders the doctor and Ramo to be sent for sacrifice, although it is clear that Thaus has begun to see the truth of the doctor's words. Zaroff may indeed be a bit unhinged. During the sacrifice, the god Amno, sounding suspiciously like Ben, has the priests bow in supplication, giving the Doctor and Ramo the opportunity to escape into the hiding place, where the TARDIS team is reunited and begins to hatch a plan. Zaro's food source, while brilliant, spoils within hours. If they can get the slave fish people to strike, they can cut off the city's food supply. Sean and Jacko are said to organize the workers' industrial action. The Doctor and the others will kidnap Zaroff, which they do, and take him back to the temple hiding place. Zaroff boasts that his plans are already in motion and cannot be stopped. The doctor doubts Zaroff's ego will allow the final act to occur without him, but goes to check anyway, leaving Polly and Ramno guarding the suddenly stricken ill Zaroff. It is a trick, and he kills Ramo and takes Polly prisoner, escaping into the tunnels. Jamie rescues Polly, but Zaroff makes good his escape. Zaroff finds his way to Thaus, who tells him of the rebellion. Zaroff wants them all killed, and Thaus again notices there might be a hint of madness in Zaroff's actions. So, Zaroff shoots him and has his guards kill Thaus's guards. Nothing in the world can stop him now! Part 4. Thaus isn't really dead, and the doctor finds him. They take him back to the temple. The doctor comes up with a desperate plan to stop Zaroff. He'll have to flood Atlantis and destroy Zaroff's machinery. He could use the help of his entire team, but Polly and Jamie have wandered off and gotten lost. He'll have to make do with Ben. First, they bluff their way into a power station and cut off the power that holds back the sea, starting the inrush of the sea. This happens near where Jamie and Polly are lost, and they scramble ever upward for the rest of the episode, trying to escape the rising water. While all the others organize an evacuation of Atlantis, the Doctor and Ben go after Zaroff. First, the Doctor lets Zaroff's staff know what the actual plan is and that the ocean is flooding in soon to kill them. They flee. Zaroff is made of sterner, madder stuff and has prepared for the eventuality that someone might try to stop him at the last minute. The controls are in a room that can be sealed from the inside. Zaroff seals himself inside behind the bars and taunts the Doctor saying that he cannot stop him. 
Ben is also worried about drowning and flees, leaving the doctor alone. The doctor cuts the power to the lights, luring Zaroff out of his cage to activate the emergency lights. During the distraction, Ben slips into the cage, sealing it, but not before escaping. Now, the controls are trapped behind bars, and Zaroff cannot reach them. The doctor and Ben evacuate. Although the doctor feels that they must go back to rescue Zaroff, Ben prevents it, and Zaroff drowns, still straining to reach the controls. Through what is no doubt a miracle amdo, Jamie and Polly have escaped, finding themselves overlooking the TARDIS, and soon, from another tunnel, the doctor and Ben find themselves in the same place. Reunited, they leave Atlantis to its fate. All right, the underwater menace. Uh, I, I should let listeners know that I have just completed listening to our old episode, so I have fresh in my mind some of the thoughts that we had about that one um, so that I can keep my uh, comments to um, kind of how it's improved. I'll, I'll go so far as to say how it's improved uh, from the, the version. So... Uh, and I, I should say, I, I have not just listened to it, so I don't have those things fresh in my mind. And I was I was curious how long ago it was. If that, I mean, seven years, I've probably forgotten quite a lot of it. I but have I forgotten guess a lot of it. We, we, we should explain that this is, this is one of those occasions where we're revisiting an old story because we have watched every single Doctor Who that has been, every missing Doctor Who where an animation has been done for the podcast. And we then went on and watched every single reconstruction that was released. And Underwater Menace was one of those, although only in the very kind of minimal sense. Loose it was a reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. Re a reconstruction that was released, uh, I guess, back in 2016 then. And now we have had a full animation of both the two missing stories and the two existing stories of the four-part serial in both black and white and color. And I will say I watched entirely the color animations for this go-round. And I've I've had a look at both the color, the black and white animations, and the recons that are provided on the new Blu-ray release. Are they better are than the old the recons? Oh, good. Well, that's something. They're not the same. Let me say that. We, we should point out the old ones, there's a in, in the old podcast, there's an awful lot of us, both of us, complaining about what a terrible, terrible reconstruction job it was. There are, I think you said there's a point not, not eight frames per second uh, of, of recreation or something. Um, sometimes you go two, three scenes with the same picture on the screen. The, 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 there's a scene where they go, let's go let's go this way and then they spend a long time talking and and or not even talking just the sounds of footsteps and all they're showing you on the screen is a door a closed door and so you know it, it was it was truly an abysmal telestat recreation it's the worst i've ever seen and it was put out and it, <laughs> and i i doubted that it would even be released in the united states that is not true they did release it it's just as bad since since I'm not going to say an awful lot about the reconstruction, I will I will throw in now then my thoughts on the differences with the reconstructed episodes that you get on the Blu-ray. And again, these are the reconstructions are just for the two missing episodes. 
and they are very different in style from the ones you were talking about. So, for example, one of the things I remember us talking about, even though it was seven years ago, was the fact that there wasn't enough kind of indication of who was speaking and that a kind of common way in which they do that in reconstructions is, okay, so they've got, they haven't got any new telesnaps to use, but they've got a telesnap of each speaker and they put the the picture up of whoever is speaking to give you a sense of that. And that kind of thing is there. There's also, I, and I, I think, you know, this is kind of one of the, only real benefits in my view of the reconstructions over the animations is the fact that where you do have existing clips from the original episodes then they get integrated within that and they have done that here in a way that they didn't do with the the uh, 2016 version so that's quite important i don't think you could do that in the animation because it would be a very kind of jarring change yeah especially considering how different it looks well, exactly, exactly. And, and so all of the kind of stylized choices that have been made in the animation that we will come on to, you would be reminded of those repeatedly every time you switch back to the clips. So I don't think you want to do that. So I think the recons do a job in the sense that they give you that who is speaking and the, the kind of bare minimal visual uh, stimulus to to keep your attention focused on the audio plus bridging to the clips. But one of the ways in which they do that is because they don't have telesnaps showing everything that's going on on screen. So, for example, there's no there's no picture of the the netting uh, when they get captured in a net. So, in that instance, it's drawn on. Um, I think we saw something a bit like this in the Galaxy Four recons in in the original Galaxy Four recons with kind of very uh, slightly strange crude animations slipped into yeah. the recons where a lot of action was happening and I guess they felt it was necessary to show what was on screen and so we've got some pretty horrible drawings imposed on some of the telesnaps and still images in this and that's where I'd kind of say there's a the drawback is compared to the 2016 recons but overall really is no comparison it's a much better experience if you're only watching the recons even, never mind the animations. Okay, so let me ask this question, because one of the things that came out uh, during our review of Crusade was that I watched it with the subtitles turned on, and I still felt that there was some issues, and I guess there was a separate, I don't know whether it was an audio track or video track or something, explaining what was going on on the screen that I didn't see or hear. Mm-hmm. And with, from our old conversation, it's clear there was nothing like that on the old recons. And did they add anything on here that says, oh, they're being sacrificed to sharks or something like no. that? No. Okay. So you're still. Just, no, there isn't. Yeah. But there isn't anything. There isn't anything where it obviously needs it. The only the only thing was, as I say, where there are things on screen or there are, there are, yeah, there are things that you see on screen like the net that you might not necessarily you could probably infer it all from the dialogue, but it's a question of, do you know about it straight away? Well, or do you only I, know about it when someone explains what's going on implicitly? That, that the, the shark bit was a very specific issue because in our original one, uh, I did not know they were being sacrificed to sharks until we got to episode three and someone in dialogue said, I should have let them sacrifice you to the sharks. I'm like, oh, is that what they were doing in episode one? 
because uh, no, at all. Because the telesnaps they had, I, I I mentioned the fact that there was a picture of a shark, but there was you know no no clue why there was a picture of a shark going on there. So it it was you know with with and, and we should add, I'm sure we've said this somewhere in the intervening years, subsequent to us doing that podcast, I was at a Gallifrey one convention and somebody from the reconstruction team was there and they said in no uncertain terms, they were given a very strict remit. They were not allowed to use pictures out of sequence. They could only use a set of pictures that they were given, which were presumably these, the ones from the doctor who website reconstruction and they were not allowed to do any embellishments of any kind. That was that was the mandate from on high and say you do this and that's it. And that's why it's so awful. And they were, you know, basically Maybe I need awful. to go back and watch that because there there is at least one image of the the shark scene. And I I, I don't I mean I don't remember do, what we are, said are about pictures, it before, but... do these pictures have rounded edges? Do these telesnaps recreations have rounded edges? Because no. that's something we mentioned. They were using they were using ones that had already been pre-cropped with like pretend like this is on a TV screen, which was apparently what they were handed. So see, they probably went back and actually got more snaps that they had somewhere in the archive and improved what they were doing. But yeah, it was it was really bad. You'd go you'd go a couple scenes three scenes sometimes watching the same picture that had nothing to do with what was going on in the screen it, it, it was it was uh it's truly awful <laughs> that was a, an embarrassment and an insult to to try selling that uh the way it was done um you know giving it away free with breakfast cereal maybe but not not paying uh for it uh, so you thought uh, underwater menace was like wonderful uh fantastic story uh, any different now that you can actually see what happened no 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 i mean i i i think i think the issue was that you couldn't get beyond the recon to realize what a fantastic and wonderful story it was last time around so i'm hoping that the animation has uh, has revealed that to you but uh, no that i already knew that it's, it's it, it has elevated it from worst trouton story to mediocre trouton story so yeah it, it moved it a long way up the list it's all right <laughs> I'll take that because a mediocre Trouton story is brilliant. So, <laughs> well, but, right. but I, I do think it's, it is, right. I do think it's, it's right. highly entertaining. I still have exactly the same key core problem with it, and that is, and and, and we had a long discussion. We don't need to add it on in the future. But my key core problem with it is, I I have an extreme problem with any story where the protagonist wants to kill himself in the process of wiping out everything. I mean, he's mad. I get it. At least in this one, he's mad. When Davros and the Daleks want to wipe out all of existence or when Rassilon wants to wipe out all of time, which are both extremely stupid goals, uh, strategically very bad. Yeah, we say, oh yeah, they're mad. But no, Zoroff's mad. I mean, he's cuckoos. You knock your knock your forehead uh, with your fist and no one there kind of mad saying he's he's playing it full-on barking mad but uh, uh, how anybody could not have figured that out is another story but yeah but it made a lot more sense uh it you know there are an awful lot of scenes where they're just kind of walking around uh, in this in this story and so 
it, it helped. It helped a lot. And I think, you know, get one of the reasons I watched the animations, because I've already seen the two lost uh, existing episodes in the past. I didn't feel that I need to do that again. Sure. You know, no eyebrows, no eyebrows. We got rid of the eyebrows uh, on the Atlanteans. So uh, that's an improvement. Just, just right <laughs> off the bat. And I you think mean, the fish. You mean the animation's an improvement over the live action original? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, it's kind of like in uh, in uh, Abominable Snowmen, where they decided to actually make the uh, Tibetan characters look ethnically Tibetan instead of white guys in yellow face. Yeah, yeah. They made the Atlanteans look like beings. Instead of okay, guy with. Uh, eyebrows stuck on his face um yeah i mean I, I, so there are there are not there are a number of those design decisions that i that i well, i'm kind of interested in i'm going i'm going to kind of leapfrog over a point about the animation in general to dive into a point about the animation in particular so my so my take on on the animation here is i'm very pleased to see it animated yep there are it my kind of rating of the animation overall is it's not the best animation that we've ever seen but it's certainly not the worst yeah there are particular issues in my view with the color animation and that is to do with some of the changes that have been made and i'm not against making those changes but the problem is that they have changed the color of the atlantean people to essentially a sort of gray color that distinguishes them from human yeah i get why they did it it kind of if you were watching it without the sound it kind of looks cool it it you know it it adds that extra kind of not otherworldly because it's the same world but that other continently look to them but it doesn't make sense because the dialogue is very clear that they do look human and when they have that initial discussion they're talking about getting polly to go and talk to them because she's a linguist but it's 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 not that they look foreign you know no one could seriously think oh it's just that we don't speak italian or whatever or you know that we need jamie to go and speak gaelic at them there's something new there from the fact that we're seeing a different color so i don't i don't have a i don't I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with them changing things. I've said in the past, I don't mind them changing things. But I think it's important that the dialogue track that they're using and the visuals that we get match. So I think when they make changes like that, they need to edit the dialogue. They need to cut out the bits that don't fit with the changes that they made. See, I don't see that that doesn't fit. I mean, these are people who've been living in caves for centuries. Of course, they're going to be a bit gray. That makes far more sense than well, they've suddenly got bushy eyebrows. Why is that? You know, I, that... I I agree. I agree. It makes sense in terms of if you're making the design decisions from scratch. The problem is that is not what they did, and the dialogue from the original reflects the fact that that is not what they did. They do not comment on the fact they look grey. They comment on the fact that they look like foreigners. Well, and they I don't know that they would look like foreigners because they had big bushy eyebrows either. They do already think they're in the Mediterranean, so they would think they are foreigners to them. 
to begin with. They don't think they're in England, so or Scotland. So I mean, I didn't, you know, they're they're dressed funny, and so they've got a bit of a power. I mean, that might be the first thing. You know, look, they're in some quaint um, ethnic costumes. They're foreign. I I I don't have any problem with the with the idea that they just assume that they're not English, but. I mean, they weren't so gray as to be, you know, they, they were like, well, you know, green or something where you'd go, oh, those are definitely aliens from another planet. They're just, they're just cave dwellers. They look, they look distinctly different. They do not look like you could mistake them for any, any member of the TARDIS crew. And so even if you give it a pass on the fact that, you know, they make the comment about them just looking like foreigners, there's then that where where the doctor uh, dresses in the the Atlantean robes and the priest tells him in these robes no one will challenge you well they might actually because you don't look gray they or for that they matter, wouldn't have you don't challenged have him in the black eyebrows. and white they wouldn't have challenged him in the black and white version they i well i think Troughton's eyebrows are relatively bushy actually but i don't also think that the eye the eyebrow thing is like it's not is nothing like as obvious. the The skin tone thing is a very, um, is is a kind of very prominent feature. It's much more obvious than the eyebrows were, and I think that it would be hard to hard for them to believe that he wouldn't be challenged, or at least for them to kind of question. Oh well, you know, is this going to be all right? Again, it's not commented on because in the original version. That wasn't the that wasn't a design choice that they made. It's not a it's not a kind of criticism of the design choice. It's just if you're going to make these changes, you've got to make sure that the soundtrack and the dialogue matches up to it. And they needed to make edits. And it's a hundred percent not an issue if you watch it in black and white. So the black and white version of the animation is absolutely fine. Well, well, all right. Eyebrows aside, what other changes in animation since we're on that? topic spring to mind if any you mean change changes from the live action to the yeah to this yeah to this version Anything well i mean that? mentioning the kind of atlantean costumes i think the headwear is now distinctly inferior but i understand that some of those there are there are those con- considerations that you have yeah. to make when it's animation too much detail yeah and that's fine it doesn't it doesn't the the new headwear is good and it's better to make it different than to try and do a kind of obviously inferior copy. I don't think it's as good, but you know that's fine. I also think that the octopus is a good choice, like not trying to do the more complicated fish, but have something in there doing its business. And was it pulling the top off a Dalek Emperor model? Uh, I didn't see that no i i couldn't in I the animation no i i wondered I, if they, I, I wondered if they'd re if they'd reused that from somewhere else um, i do have a question but, uh, yeah i do have a question and that is was the octopus even in the original <laughs> well no that's the point the the octopus relates to kind of re- replaces the, the sort of spiky fish thing in the tank did the spiky fish thing in the tank suddenly come close to maybe almost 
pulling, pushing the lever down for Zaroff at the end, or was that just made up completely? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because episode four doesn't exist. Yeah. And man, did we have problems with it. And this does sort it out. So I tell you, we did, uh, I think I was closer in my interpretation of what happened than, than you were. Sorry, that you, you can go back and listen and admit. Well, but. you mean the animation is closer to your interpretation of things than my interpretation of things, but it's the animator's interpretation of things that we're seeing, presumably. Well, I'm guessing they had a script to go by to see what was going on, but it, it had to do with the... But we know they didn't with, stick to that necessarily. It had to do with... <clears throat> if it was your way, then it didn't, still didn't make any sense. <laughs> and that is the bit where Zaroff locks himself in a cage then the doc ben runs off and pretends to run the doctor does something i was thinking the doctor managed to open the cage turns out in the animation anyway that that you know ben slips in when zaroff comes out to turn on the lights that ben closes it and then runs back out and then it gets trapped i you thought zaroff was on the side with the plunger which didn't make any sense and I was sure he had to be on the side that wasn't. I think by the end of it, I had convinced you. But, you know, it, the scene is so bad in the I don't remember any of this. I... It's so bad in the reconstruction that that you just can't. It's like, but no, Zaroff only died because Zaroff refused to leave. And there was the, is Zaroff trapped behind the gate or is Zaroff just too stubborn to leave? And it, he definitely seems too stubborn to leave and... This and it doesn't make any sense if he was trapped with a switch because he would have just, you know, pushed the switch. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, I I would throw one out there. Uh, in general, I think it was a lot of improvement. You know, the market isn't the size of my bathroom that they're trying to run around. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Maybe my living room, and uh, so that's an improvement. That in general things look bigger, more expansive, kind of viably sized. I think they did the temple very poorly. I feel like in the episodes where you can see it and and a couple of the and I did watch the behind the scenes and stuff, so I I have actually recently seen some of the reconstructed stuff. That like the hidden passage behind the temple was a little more credibly hidden than then the way it wasn't very credibly hidden, don't get me wrong, but then then it is portrayed in the animation where, you know, it's just they keep popping out and there's people all around them and they pull their head back behind it. It's like, at least it was kind of in the shadows <laughs> in the original. Here it's just right front and center of the room. It's like, I don't, I think they could have done better with giving the impression that that, there was a secret passage back there. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate the fact that I actually know what was going on with the shark sacrifice and the planks and the tipping of the boards and all that stuff. Okay, now it makes sense. They actually did, they did add a little bit of tipping, which I suspect was animation in the recon for that, just to give an indication of what's going on. But yeah, it definitely helps okay. to see I'm stuff. Almost, I'm almost certain they didn't, well, no, they must, I don't know. <laughs> didn't want to go they, back and watch the recons, but the old ones, but uh, I, I don't think no, I'm no, no, they said sure they were tied the to a ones. board. Yeah. But, the, but, the, but there, were, there was at least one instance in the animation where I did think they didn't 
it it was they didn't it wasn't a major thing but they didn't show as clearly as they might have done what was going on and that's the scene when Polly is being taken down in the lift and she there's this dialogue which says they tied her up you I I, I don't I don't know what we would have got in the original part one because obviously it's missing but you would imagine there might have been some shot of her you know rope around her wrist or something like that but it, we don't even see her hands are behind her back until a later shot which I didn't totally understand because given they show it why they couldn't have resequenced that but that was that was an instance where I thought the animation didn't show us what was going on as clearly as it might have done but clearly better than it did do without with the episode being gone completely yeah so one one of one of the other changes that i you know felt was quite a positive change was the fish people costumes yes which are kind of like up several grades in terms of style and sexiness because the original costumes they're, they're they're fine or whatever but the 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 new kind of design has a lot more flair this kind of the the strapless dresses and they seem to fit a lot better and everything which obviously you know you can much more easily do when you're drawing them um but that that I, that for me was a definite upgrade so that you know that counteracts the downgrade in the Atlantean head, headwear as far as I'm concerned I'm going to say, I don't think that sexy was the word that would have ever come from my mind for describing the new, the, the new God suits, but oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I did think they were fish it. people. Eh, yeah. I, I guess maybe if you live near the ocean, that might be a thing. I don't know. That must be what <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, they still a little bit weird. I think they kind of sort of tried to almost ape the wire work a little bit in the swimming when they did it. Now, did you watch, you watched the animation even, you did not watch any of the originals this time. Yeah. Yeah. I re I rewatched that sequence. I wanted to watch that again. Mm. I presume you, you went back to that as well. I did not watch the original sequence except in as much as I saw it in some of the behind the scenes stuff uh -huh. um, on that. So, and I did, I don't know, I, I felt like when I was watching the animation that they certainly did not go, okay, how would fish people really be moving around? And they still kind of held to that sort of staged uh, positioning that that you'd get with the wire work. So I thought it was a, a funny. I think I did get a little bit better idea, you know, about that they were having a fish conversation. You know, we need it's, to go on no, strike. I, mean, that's I would. I. I don't. I didn't think they were trying to, to necessarily copy, the technicalities of it. But I do think maybe they were trying to copy the aesthetics of it. The aesthetic. There's something. I think, yeah. Yeah. There's something quite. There's something quite memorable about that sequence. It. I mean, it could be memorable because it is, so obviously, it's it's obvious how they staged it, and yet it's also. I mean, it's obviously done with wires, as you say, and it's 
the kind of thing that you could see done in a theatre. But done in a theatre, it would have a terrific effect because seeing someone flying around is is kind of impressive. And so it would be with live television in 1967 or whenever this was. But I think that the animated version, you didn't you didn't feel like you were watching air-breathing people pretending to be fish. It felt much more underwater. So it yes, the animation okay. definitely added something to it without losing that aesthetic. So I actually felt quite positive towards that animation. Well, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's an improvement off the original. But what I'm getting at is, you know, if I see fish, I envision, you know, even when they are still, they suddenly flip away suddenly and quickly. Uh, yeah. And you don't get any of that with the fish people, right? They're still sort of they're, they're still sort of floating more so than fishing, I guess. No, Which, but on the know, other hand, they fish, don't. But... Yeah, they don't look like they've got the kind of fish equipment to <laughs> to do some of that stuff. Yeah, but if you're going for the look, if they were doing it modern in something modern, they would definitely give them the fish feel to it, not just the fish look, if you want to call that the fish look <laughs> well I, in the I, I mean, original I, yeah yeah maybe with disney money maybe with it maybe we'll see if we get a an underwater return to atlantis yeah oh boy return to Atlantis again <laughs> yeah uh well they've rebuilt it you know they're going to rebuild it uh, at the end and so the doctor could return and see the civilization that was built after his destroying it kind of thing it could, it could be you know it's like a return to scarrow return to Atlantis because they, yeah, sure. They've destroyed Atlantis a couple times, but you know, once they destroyed Atlantis back in antiquity and then this, this one, they destroyed it in the future back then. And so, you know, they could return Atlantis in the, in the 20, 22nd century where they've teamed up with the Silurians to take over the world. <laughs> we were digging new caves and we found that's a free idea for the Doctor Who uh, production team if they want it. No, I, I will make no claim. <laughs> Do you, remind me, if you remember, we haven't, uh, we did not do the color version of Power of the Daleks. Is that right? I think they we only never did the black did. and white version. We never did. No, we never did. Yeah. Okay. So I've, I've, I've not seen it because I think the first one they came out with black was black and white only, right? In the animation. And and that's no, the one no. we did. Well, they re- they released what they did was they 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 released it, it many it, times. It was a slightly cha- it was a slight change in the process. So uh, the Power of the Daleks was the first animation after a, a long gap. Sounds familiar. And they animated it in black and white. But after Power of the Daleks, everything else was animated in color. And then they produced a black and white version. What they did with Power of the Daleks was they actually also produced a color version so they'd animated it in black and white they then produced a color version and that was what was released the both black and white and color versions of it i thought those were two separate releases but all right no maybe there was a, se- there, was a second, there was a second release of power of the daleks with improved animation which we have also not looked at we have not looked at that we we did look at power of the daleks the animated one yes, of the animated we just versions. I, I may be wrong, but I thought we'd only looked at the black and white version. Uh, well, if or there was a color version, version, I would have watched it. I'm sure of that. 
but I, I just feel like I didn't have that choice. But again, I, I could be misremembering. But where I'm going at that is, <laughs> okay, did they use the really dull credits that they used this time? <laughs> so I got, I got a note about that saying how much I liked the credits this time. But I think the, I, the point about it is that this is the first time we've seen that title sequence in color, isn't it? Well, unless they did Power of the Daleks that way. See, that was my... Well, that, Power of the Daleks, the color version has, has the titles in black and white. So you go, you go okay. from the black and white titles in, in, into color. And obviously the Macro Terror coming after this has got the later title credit. Uh, sequen- type credit sequence, hasn't it? I don't know if the original had because I haven't seen the original of the Macro Terror. But by then... By the time I think by the time they'd released the Macro Terror, they'd already animated some of the later serials and coloured the later title sequence. I mean, I, I know you probably don't. I don't remember on our conversation, but for their choice of colorizing the trout and face credits using the same technique that they did with the Pertwee stuff, with the basically overlaying a color wheel, yeah. feels as authentic as you're gonna get if you were trying to do color. So it looked right. I, I was I was fine with that choice. You know, instead of them like animating the various colors into the swirls and whatnot, they just said, no, no, this is how they did it in 70. Bop. We'll just we'll copy that. And I I like that choice. In this one, they just tinted it blue. So it looks like that weird color you get off of a black and white TV. <laughs> I'm like, oh uh, yeah, no, I, but I, I don't think I don't think the color wheel version of it would have worked. I'm I not sure that the I, color I wheel version would have, but I don't know. Had it gone with blue, like old oh, television well, okay. blue, but I don't know. That's I, fair. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I like it. I just thought, yeah, it's kind of. Eh. I it was it was probably the thing about the color that I liked the most because I, I mean I obviously I have a particular issue with the changes in color creating contradictions of the dialogue but i also did think generally the color was quite inferior to the later season four episode i'm not wild about the color in power of the daleks but i think i probably did admit in some of the discussions when i particularly remember thinking this about the macro terror and possibly evil of the daleks that the color was very subtly done it was atmospheric and it actually added something, and I was enjoying watching it in color. This one, even if I hadn't been annoyed by the plot-specific changes that color implemented, I still think I would rather watch it in black and white. I didn't think the colors were great, but the titles were, with the exception, I liked the colors of the title. Because there weren't any, yeah. <laughs> there was, well, there maybe, really but... It 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 yeah. felt it felt like it fitted, and it felt like it, well, if you're going to stick with the original titles, and obviously they they could have just ditched the original titles, then it then I think you've got to go with something that's relatively simple. And I I think I mean you're not disagreeing with that, but you're saying a different color would have been better. And I think for I the titles, know. yes, I don't know about the I episode. I about. was fine. I was fine with the colors in this story uh, as they chose them, and. I am taking this on the following situation. So, for example, in Evil of the Daleks, 
um, there were some very brightly colored scenes, like in the Tricolor yeah. Cafe and, and whatnot. But when yeah. they're in the house, they, they've gone kind of moody. And because it is sort of moody and sort of uh, dark and and that that's the feel of the episode. That's the, that is keeping in the spirit. If there is anything we will say about the underwater menace is that it is as over the top as it can get in this story. And so bright, loud colors don't bother me. It's like, yeah, you know, somebody was working on this script and they said, yeah, let's just go for it. But they're not, <laughs> I, that, I could... they're not that loud. It's that's not loud. Maybe not yes, the right not word. The issue, really. They, they are colorful. They have chosen it's more, much it's more, collective it's fish more people. Like, and... It's more like they're, I don't know if this will translate for the for the transatlantic listeners, but it's more like the the kind of the macro terror, faceless ones, evil as the Daleks. They're all Pharaoh and Ball, and this is Dulux. Oh no, we don't speak Welsh. Okay, it's a question of taste. I did. I thought that the color choices were tasteful and aesthetic in those the the earlier animations compared to this one. I I think this was closer to Fury of the Deep, let's say. But the interesting thing about that is that it's is is the the as far as I'm aware, because this is this is Anne Marie Walsh animating this one, so she was also the director on Macrotera Face the Swans Evil of the Daleks. But I guess where this also takes us to is the general animation quality, and it's a little bit of a disappointment to me when we've got such a big chunk of season four animated in an, a sort of continuous chunk of season four animated with what I think is a very kind of high quality and consistent animation style. And this precedes that lengthy chunk. They've shifted back from doing the 3D, quite sophisticated 3D animation to doing completely 2D animation. So it's not the same style at all, and it's not bad. I mean, apart from the things I've discussed, I think it kind of shows you what's going on, and it's, you know, it's it's not horrible, ugly drawings like some of the animations. <laughs> but it's not it's not a, a level that they've been hitting, and I, you know, I kind of still think the invasion is the best animation ever. But I did think that the season four animations were, I mean, they were different because they were doing this kind of 3D thing, but they were getting to a level of quality that was kind of approaching what they'd got with the invasion. And this, this ain't that. It really isn't. Nothing in this animation triggered my uh, response. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It was perfectly fine. And I, I literally have zero notes other than about the animation, except a, a, a snarky comment <laughs> about the fact that I would imagine, I don't know, but I would imagine that the sequence where Polly can't go up the whatever at the beginning, climbing up the whatever was too much for her, was probably equally as lame as Polly not being able to walk up the steps or what look basically like steps of rock in in the animation. It's like, 
really, Polly? Really? That they don't look like they're really climbing per se. They're just sort of walking. And then I thought, yeah, in the studio, it probably looks just as bad, just different. It, it, it possibly did. And I think we've complained quite a lot about walking in the animations. And I don't think that as it goes, the walking in this is at all bad. And so. And there's a lot it, of it. it, it there is a lot of it. And so in a way, it kind of serves it serves that basic function of showing you what's going on, uh, doing doing so in a relatively kind of pleasing way, visually speaking, um, and and without any kind of jarring inconsistencies or without kind of... The, I assume there is a much lower budget on this animation. That's why they've gone for the 2D or whatever. I think that's a good choice. If you've got I less money, then... What you should do is yeah. go for something that looks consistent and where you can produce something serviceable within your budget. And I think that's what they've done. It's just a pity that they didn't have the budget that they obviously did somehow have with all of those other 3D, more impressive animations. Well, if they if they could stick to this level of animation and get done with the rest of them, I would be absolutely... Fine. And I will just add, since I've got it here in front of me at the moment, that if they were to animate three more stories, all of Troughton would be filled in. Actually, two more stories, all of Troughton would be filled in. Three more stories, all of season four and five would be filled in. So I'm I'm thinking there's the Highlanders and Wheel in Space. Is that it? For Troughton, yes. And the Smugglers oh. for Hartnell. Ooh. I know, they're close. They're close, and it seems like Wheel in Space is a no-brainer. I, I understand. Know. I can't the believe whole... they haven't done it because they already did ten minutes of it. I'm sure we've talked yeah. about it. Yeah, the whole the whole thing with the Highlanders and the oh, it's a, it's a historical and blah 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 and costumes and whatnot. I, I'm not buying that argument that it's that big of an impediment. However, <clears throat> the Wheel in Space just makes no sense whatsoever that they haven't done that one. It's a big, important Cyberman story. So, like, why hasn't that one been Well, it's a big, important Zoe Harriet story. Let's get our priorities right. That, too. That, too. But, I mean, you know, and then you're done with season five, and you can release the Blu-rays and actually have everything (laughs) on there. Release the Blu-rays. And not only that, then you can have the entire, you can have the entire season five done behind the sofa on the Blu-ray extras, and we can see how they respond to uh, to all that. Have we, I don't, I I don't watch all the behind the sofa things, but have we had any where they've? I, no, I suppose we haven't. Shada. Oh, Shada. They, they've 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 look, they've watched a, an animation, and what did they make of the animation bit? Well, let's see. So the people watching it were Colin Baker and Matthew Waterhouse, uh, 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 Katie Manning, and uh, Nicola Bryant, and oh, Graham Harper. Uh, and I can't think of the other two people's names, but it's the FX guy that does all those things and like the okay. costumer. And I don't know. I have the subtitles turned on and, uh, cause you know, they're speaking English and, uh, it covers up the, uh, the names and I, I don't, but he's, you'd know him. He's one of the model makers. He's kind of dark, curly, brown, long hair. Uh, oh yeah, I did the model for that or my, you know, I, I hated canine that guy. And uh, like, and then the the costumer for 
I think that season, uh, the woman, I can't think of her name, might be a June or something. Um, and they went into the animation, you know, you see stuff and then they cut into the animated scenes and they quite liked it. They, 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 they thought, wow, this, the fans must love this, you know, this, to have this back and, and they, they, they had no problem at all. I think they some of them were surprised. They didn't even know the animation was coming. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, like it was, it worked, uh, it worked pretty well. Uh, I think their biggest complaint was that Lala didn't look as good as Lala looks. It's like that animation of her is not very good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're, 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 we're close. Uh, we are really close to closing out, you know, come on guys. You've got all that Disney money compensating for Dr. Who now. And then you're going to be selling a bunch of Dr. Who merchandise. You should be getting some revenue stream in now. Let's, let's get this done. <laughs> you're not spending any money making Dr. Who now make Dr. Who DVDs, Blu-rays. Um, I think, uh, again, taking care of things that were really awful in the original uh, reconstruction, awful in the original reconstruction. The cliffhangers are uh, much better in this one, in the animated version. I, I, even though there's well, some Well, nothing in the no. world can stop me now, can't really be improved on. But yes, apart from that, fair point. You know, the, the you're not turning me into a fish, and uh, those did work better. Uh there was a, there was a little bit of like oh I should watch the next episode at that point which there was not in the uh, reconstructions. My goodness, they really really sidelined Jamie and Polly in episode four, didn't they? Yes, like uh, it's not a case. not a great story for Polly. Uh, no, no, and you know, and I saw this in the behind the scenes talking, and and we did discuss it a little bit, but it was. When I watched the behind the scenes piece and they showed a couple of clips of it, it was so much more obvious that they have just taken the lines for Ben and Polly and shuffled them around and added Jamie into the mix. So, yeah, that's kind of understandable. And in some cases, it's like person A says something, person B replies to something, and then person C counterpoints it, but that definitely should have been person A following up like no i'm defending my thought or whatever but but it isn't because it's just three different people and i'm not entirely sure they just gave ben's lines to jamie i think they gave some of polly's lines to jamie's too i think they just shook them up put them in a box wrote them down put them in a box on slips of paper and then pulled them out and then said okay you 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 there we go read them in this order i don't care who says what it it does it does come off rather badly the final sequence makes a lot more sense, um, but the, you know, <laughs> actually, I, I recall it being pretty bad ending, but at least it made a little more sense uh, in this one. Let's see. I didn't remember the line about, what did he say? What's that in meters? When they were talking to the future shipwreck people, I guess they'd gone metric. I thought, oh, cool. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have on this. I don't think it's worse than Horns of Nyman anymore. <laughs> I should say not. <laughs> that, that's my, uh, yeah, that's my, that's, I, I still do not think that this is an homage to You Only Live Twice. 
it's certainly better than you only live twice. It's 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 yeah, it was your idea. Put there. I'm I'm done with this. I, I I'm glad it's back. I'm I appreciate the fact it now falls into the rank of watchable Doctor Who stories, which it was not in that recreation, that original. That was well, just a I had it on my shelf, but it, it was never didn't, ever going to be watched. Again. I mean there are there are Doctor Who stories that have never been missing that I wouldn't classify as watchable, but yes. This 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 definitely this definitely makes it even more fun to watch. So uh, when it is, it will be available in the United States. It's not. It is currently available in the UK. It will be available in the US eventually. Um, if you're a Doctor Who fan, give the BBC your money. Show them you care. <laughs> I'd like to send them back my old copy. <laughs> With a note. <laughs> you owe me for this. <laughs> I want my money back on this one now that you've put out a proper version. <laughs> this was a con. Do you have anything else on it? I do not. All right. Well, we do not have anything. This should go out in December of 2023. That is our expected uh, release date during December. Um, so we are, if if my schedule works out right, we have already done all of the 60th anniversary specials and uh next week we're looking at the church of uh church on ruby road for um for the finish of whosimber but yes the, the, the final episode of the month of doctor Who. yeah so uh simon thank you for joining me it's a pleasure as always and listeners i do hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation and find other content at fusionpatrol.com. And we're back on social media, where you can also follow us on Mastodon and the Fediverse. Our address is at podcast at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Addendum for our U.S. listeners. Uh, after we recorded this, we have found out that they have set a release date in the United States for the Underwater Menace on Blu-ray, and that is January 9th, 2024. It's available for pre-order now from various resellers. So you can just watch it very soon. <laughs>